to see these people that were literally fighting for their lives and to talk to their families on FaceTime every day and try to provide them some sort of guidance and support when we ourselves were just figuring it out and trying to understand the virus ourselves. And like, I can't tell you how emotional it was. Welcome to More Life. In today's episode, Hartford HealthCare's Jocelyn Maminta shares a compelling interview with Erin Hallinan. She's an ICU nurse practitioner at St. Vincent's Medical Center who shares her unique experience with patients, families, and colleagues during the COVID surge. Erin shares some emotional insight to where we were then and how we're doing now. Here's Jocelyn. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining us. And with me today is Erin Hallinan, a nurse practitioner in the intensive care unit here at St. Vincent's. She is also the current chair of the Advanced Practice Registered Nurse Council, the APRN Council here at St. Vincent's. We want to raise awareness as well as celebrate our nurse practitioners throughout the Hartford Healthcare system. Erin, first of all, everybody wants to know, what is a nurse practitioner? Well, thank you, first of all, for having us on here today. really appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak about my role. One of the best roles uh, a person can have. I love your job. I love my job. I'm very blessed to say that I love my job because uh, it's not really work. It's it's really what I love to do and it's my passion. So for, for the people at home, a nurse practitioner really is somebody who started out as a registered nurse. You know, registered nurses are uh, men and women who go to school, get an associate's degree or a baccalaureate degree, and then sit for a national licensure examination. From there, uh, most people will generally tend to practice for a bit as a nurse, um, and often people will go back. And I was one of those people that went back and became a nurse practitioner. So that resulted in another master's degree. And then from there, you sit for a national certification exam and get an additional license. So you're, you have two licenses, one as a nurse and one as a nurse You are well-educated. I am well-educated, correct. Wow. But when you become a nurse practitioner, you really are embarking on a different education journey and a different patient experience journey and more and more that reflects those of our physician assistant and, and physician colleagues. So we are also responsible for uh, testing, interpreting diagnostic tests, ordering tests and procedures, uh, interpreting those results, uh, diagnosing patients, uh, medication administration, and, and really taking complete total care of the patient. So you work alongside the MD? Some do, some don't. Uh, nurse practitioners have become more autonomous over the years, mm -hmm. and uh, there are 22 states currently, as well as the District of Columbia and two of the U.S. territories that allow for independent practice, Connecticut being one of them. So yes, most nurse practitioners work in collaboration with a physician, uh, and then there's a subset of the population that practices autonomously and independently. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that. Yeah. Uh, that is great. Well, you pl you played a very critical role at the onset and surge of COVID in the spring. What was that like? Well. You know, it's, it was a double-edged sword. It was honestly one of the most challenging times in my entire career. And, and I can say that just completely. It was so challenging for so many reasons. The patients that came to us came so quickly, so many of them en masse, and they were so profoundly ill. And, and, and don't forget, like this was right at the beginning of the pandemic. We were just hearing about it coming from Wuhan and through mm -hmm. Spain and then through Seattle. And, and by the time it reached to New York and here, we, we, we knew a little bit about it because we had done some research and we were reading all the papers that came out of those regions and trying to figure out how to best treat the patients. But it was really um, 
a very overwhelming experience, both in a positive and a negative way. Reason being, you know, from a from an overwhelming kind of negative, it was just it was a lot of patients and they were so sick. And the things that we knew to be true in critical care on a daily basis, like I'm very confident that if I hang a specific medication, the blood pressure will go up. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't always the case with the patients clinically at the bedside. You would hang that medication and their blood pressure wouldn't go up. And then you'd hang another and it still wouldn't. And they didn't respond the same way that we had been so used to patients responding with other critical illnesses. But many of the things mirrored and were very similar. and. Aside from that, the, the treatment paradigms were changing on a daily basis. You know, so on one day we would. We it was would really this. developing. It was developing. Um, and on the other, you know, from a personal perspective, like when else in my career was I ever going to be on the forefront of a novel virus? that had never seen the human population before. So you looked at this as a challenge that a you ch wanted to meet. Absolutely, I, myself, my colleagues, and pretty much everyone here at the hospital, we had a laser-like focus. It was all hands on deck. Doesn't matter what you do, what your job description is, we are gonna meet the needs of the human beings entrusted to our care. And I think we all lived that and felt that. And then, you know, we were then otherwise blessed to, to really see a lot of our success stories walk out of the hospital. Like, I can't tell you how emotional it was to see these people that were literally fighting for their lives and to talk to their families on FaceTime every day and try to provide them some sort of guidance and support mm -hmm. when we ourselves were just figuring it out and trying to, to understand the virus ourselves and how, how they were gonna do. You know, you always hope for the best for your patient and you want them to have the best outcome, but unfortunately that's not always the reality. And so it was interesting to interact with the patients and their families and to feel like the best of humanity in those moments where they would just shower us with love and gratitude and just really see how much people meant to one another during that time. Oh, I can only imagine it, that day when they leave, how emotional that is for everybody. It is, and the hospital would play, here comes the sun, and we would all stand in the halls and take five minutes to honor them and to watch them walk out of here. And, and to be perfectly honest, you know, in the ICU, I, I, was, I was blessed to be given my own kind of little area to be the intensivist, which is a person in the ICU. Um, with nurse practitioners and physician assistants who also answered the call from all other areas of the hospital. And so we had this really great cohesive little team mm -hmm. and we, we really got vested in our, in our patients and trusted into our care. And so oftentimes I would go to the lobby to see them leave and I wouldn't recognize the person walking out of here because that's just not what they looked like in the ICU. Mm -hmm. And it was really nice to see. But the families, I would recognize all of them because we had spent so much time FaceTiming them. Can you share a story about how you comforted a patient? Yeah, you know, the patients during that time were obviously um, very scared. It's, it, it, it can be terrifying, it can be overwhelming if you think about it logically. You know, they're taken from their home where they're going to a hospital where it's all unfamiliar faces and all you can see are eyes, mm -hmm. right? All you can see is this part of us. But they could all say that they could tell that we were smiling because our, our smiles would reach our eyes and we would hold their hands and talk to them and try to get personal details from their family members at home on face, um, you know, via the, the FaceTime mm -hmm. and telephone conversations and really try to say, okay, you know, your husband so-and-so loves you and he's pulling for you. And I, and I know that they heard us. See, I love that you're sharing these stories, Erin, because it, it just lets us all know that if we have a loved one in the ICU, that 
nurses like Erin Hallinan are right there yeah. alongside our loved ones. Well, I, you know, fulfilled more of the provider role, so I didn't get to do all that that often. Mm -hmm. um, but my bedside nurses, I mean, that is all they did for weeks and weeks and months. Uh, I could get emotional talking about it, but I, I got they were emotional they were, just as you were sharing it with me. They were just phenomenal. Yes. And amazing. Yes, absolutely. We're all tearing up. Okay, so Erin, we do have this current surge right now. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing now? Unfortunately, I'm seeing the same thing. You know, patients are coming in still so sick, still terrified. A lot of the same things that we saw back in March, really, really critically ill people. People who come to the hospital are taken care of by us. We, we do treat everyone as if they're our own family member. I, I, I can't imagine, you know, the isolation that some of them must feel. And then, of course, as they get really sick in the ICU, we, we literally tend to them every minute of the day just trying to help nurse them through this and to get them better and uh, to take care of that. On a positive note, though, this time around, it feels a little more familiar. Like, I've already been here. Like where, So the fear that I had back in March and the fear that some of my colleagues experienced of the unknown were better able to guide the patients and their families with some anticipatory guidance as to mm -hmm. what's going to happen because we've seen it already. Exactly. Which is, is, is slightly reassuring. And I think that, you know, Hartford has gone a, a long way to make sure that we have adequate PPE and to keep us protected and to maintain the integrity and excellence and safety and the care that we provide. Right. The message, of course, is we are here. We are ready. We are prepared yep. for anything. Yep. Right. How has the pandemic really, how has it expanded a nurse practitioner's role in patient care? Well, uh, many ways. So first, a lot of the nurse practitioners and physician assistants who answered the call for the pandemic left their familiar roles. Mm -hmm. So we had physician assistants from, you know, CT surgery and other areas like surgery and whatnot come stepping forward and saying, okay, I'm coming to the ICU to help you take care of these patients. Same thing with the nurse practitioners. The nurse practitioners all stepped up and, and put on different hats, so to speak. So several came to the ICU, like our heart failure nurse practitioner stepped up and came and worked alongside with me in the ICU. Um, our palliative care nurse practitioner was working overtime trying to meet the emotional needs of all of these families. And um, our stroke coordinator nurse practitioner stepped up and helped both with that, as did the heart failure nurse practitioner. So, and some of our other, our pain management and CT surgery um, APRNs also stepped up to fill that void and actually went and worked as nurses at the bedside mm -hmm. because that's where the need was at that time. At bedside. At bedside, when we didn't have a hole in the, in the provider schedule. In addition, the way that we do things has been completely altered. So we're now meeting the patients where they are. Whereas before it would be come to the hospital, come to the office. Now we're saying, okay, how about a televisit? Yes. Let's implement telehealth. We're seeing more of tele we're seeing telehealth. A lot, of a lot of telehealth, trying to maintain the safety of the general public mm -hmm. and you know, the safety of our staff as well. And what really sets NPs apart from other healthcare providers? As nurses, inherently, we're trained in a holistic model of care for the patients. And holistic meaning that we take care of your, not only your physical needs and your diagnostic needs and your, your, your chronic disease states, um, but we educate, we, we mentor, we guide, we serve as resources for them, for the patients and their families. And we establish a relationship. And I think the biggest difference is in the relationship that we establish, we're able to help them 
manage their illnesses at home and prevent hospital readmissions. You know, we really want to have a, a relationship that takes care of your social and emotional and spiritual well-being. Yes, exactly. Before we get to uh, some questions from viewers, what inspired you to choose the path that you have? I love, love, love taking care of really, really sick people. I mean, if you think about it logically, no one sits at home and says, it's Tuesday. I'd like to be on life support by six o'clock tonight and fighting for my life. So like mm -hmm. I unfortunately meet people at those worst moments of their lives. And that's where I feel like I can make the most impact. And so I did that as a staff RN in an ICU for many years. Uh, my background is surgery and trauma. And then from there, I wasn't learning enough and decided to go back and become a nurse practitioner. And what an education it's been, because I'm still learning. And I still haven't ruled out going back a third time for a doctorate. Right, let's let's get to this question. How do you stay resilient amid COVID? Well, during the pandemic, I didn't sleep very much and I developed this awful little online habit of buying scrub caps. So I have every scrub cap you can imagine because we wear scrub caps now to protect our hair from the straps and whatnot and uh, from the virus. And then as the pandemic started to kind of flow, you know, ebb away and, and improve, uh, really spending time with my husband and my child. I have a 13-year-old son. Uh, I'm a wrestling mom. And, uh, you know, really finding fulfillment in my family and my relationships. And even during the pandemic, a lot of our, my resilience was rooted in my colleagues mm -hmm. because we were, it's so bizarre to say, but we were all like a happy little family here under the roof during the pandemic, meeting the needs of the, this horrible pandemic and, 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 and the critically ill patients. But we all really, really relied on each other for that emotional and moral support and to bounce ideas off of. And then when it kind of went away, we were all like, oh, where did, where did you go? You, you somewhat <laughs> missed it, right? That camaraderie? Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to say I missed the pandemic, no. but the cohesiveness, the collegiality, mm -hmm. and the small victories and the joy that we felt through each day in all of our different experiences and interactions yes. with our patients. That's right. You found a lot of comfort in those small victories. Yes, we this, did. This is great. Erin Hallinan, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it, thank you for having me. This, this is a great pleasure. conversation. I really enjoyed listening to your stories and we're all inspired by what you and all your other colleagues are doing here and throughout the healthcare system, Hartford healthcare system. It, it's you. amazing. I'm Jocelyn Mementa. Have a great day, everybody. Hartford Healthcare has treated thousands of COVID patients. We know many continue to face lingering side effects. If you're experiencing lung, heart, and behavioral health complications, Hartford Healthcare's COVID Recovery Center can help. Call 860-827-3200 or click on the website listed in this episode's notes. For Hartford HealthCare, I'm Anne de Pierre. Thanks for listening to More Life. I'm ready for my close-up. All the faces start to light up. You know I love this feeling. I got more life in my life. If you feel it, then you know. We can go anywhere we want to go. You're going to love this feeling. We got more life in our life. Oh, I won't stop going. No sign of slowing. Now I know it.